What is good, everyone? Welcome to Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. First things first, I gotta apologize. You know, it's I've been MIA for the past like two weeks, basically. Uh, work work has been crazy. Uh, working six straight days a week, basically, homework and whatnot. Um, but man, a lot of things to get into. I finally just today, my first day off in the past six days scoped out Avengers Endgame. I know I'm super late. It's been out for two and a half weeks or so now. Uh, Man, uh, phenomenal flick. Uh, Gonna jump into that. A little bit of the NBA playoffs. uh, Things of that nature. Game of Thrones is about that series about to conclude come next Sunday. We're gonna get on a little bit of all that. So, but first thing, uh, you know what? Hey, uh, for anyone that's listening, that hasn't seen Avengers Endgame and that's super late like myself, I'm going to get into some detail. So spoiler alert ahead. Spoiler, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it, please stop listening and uh, (coughs) uh, jump into the next segment that I'll be discussing next. But with this being said, uh, Avengers Endgame, definitely out of 10, give it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, The action, phenomenal. The last basically hour of the movie, just non-stop action, or maybe 45 minutes, give or take. The final battle scene, phenomenal. Uh, actors, always on point. Uh, Robert Downey does his thing, along with Chris Hemsworth and Evans and all the rest of those guys of that cast. Uh, phenomenal job, you know, and it's crazy to see things unravel after Infinity War. You know, finally give us a full... Uh, spectrum of how everyone was able to cope after actually losing for once, you know, seeing everyone's side of the story, how they cope with the death, how they cope with this major L that they did, you know, what Thanos did on the final snap of Infinity War and the universe split in 50-50 and you see everyone on Earth and how they cope with it. And seeing, you know, Captain America basically kind of fulfilling in the shoes of, uh, you know, Falcon, Sam Wilson. And, uh, you know, what he originally did was have group meetings with fellow veterans and talk things out, you know. Um, It's almost like an AA, but for veterans, not really alcoholics, but how to cope with the post life of a uh, veteran life, basically. Well, also, I think he was holding these meetings of post-Thanos, uh, destructive era. Uh, what they called it is the vanishing. So, basically, they call it the vanishing. They have this big memorial of all the people that disappeared, you know, turned into dust at the end of Infinity War. So on and so forth. You got the gist of it. So, I think... It was very, they, I, th- I thought they did a phenomenal job of highlighting each character and how they coped with, you know, losing. And so seeing Robert Downey Jr. basically, once he finally returned back to Earth, being saved by Captain Marvel, and, you know, I see everyone, and it's just like, you know, this, the, this is how things are unraveling right now on Earth. And, um... Tony Stark is getting the gist of what just happened between everyone, uh, how much the population lost. And it wasn't just humans either. It was a population of animals, everything, literally anything and everything you could think of from from human beings to animals to insects. Every little thing of resources was split in half. So it was just, you know, to see everyone cope with that kind of thing. That, that, that kind of trauma, that PTSD is, um, you know, from seeing Robert Downey Jr. basically kind of caught quits in a sense. He was, you know, Tony Stark was like, screw it, I'm out, you know, we lost, it's over. It, he was, you know, he was, 
heartbroken of losing uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So I think he was just, he was over it. You know, he was dealing in previous films past of, um, you know, PTSD and anxiety uh, attacks. And, uh, you know, he just decided, he's like, you know what, I'm done. And, you know, they go five years later. This this goes on for five years later. He ends up having a family and marries Pepper, all that. Has a daughter. So, and he tries to, you know, go on with life, cope with it, basically. And he somewhat, you know, copes with it well for the most part. But knowing Tony, uh, even his wife, Pepper, even told him, like, if there's one thing I can't make you do is I can't make you quit. Uh, when it comes to resentment and when you spark an idea, you can't, you know, he's, uh, he has to fulfill that kind of deed, that job, that task. That's just how he is. That's how his father was, which was pretty dope as well. When he met his, uh, father, Howard Stark back in the seventies, when they do all this time traveling. So in the gist of it, they do all this time traveling to, to get all the affinity stones and in order to bring everyone back and to see guys like Chris Evans, you know, how he copes with it. He does well for the most part, but, you know, he he's resent. Uh, he feels heartbroken as well, but he, he tries his best, you know, to, to be a strong-willed for the rest of the group. And, you know, you see Bruce Banner become basically Professor Hulk. He's able to take two and two together of his anger and himself and become Hulk uh, in person and be able to be knowledgeable. Uh, and that's his, fulfills his identity. And then, you know, I really liked uh, Chris Hemsworth um, and his new sort of character persona of Thor. When, you know, him being Thor, always being strong and, you know, uh, so so sure of himself and then him having this constant um doubt uh excuse me uh failure he couldn't help himself you know they go no more than maybe 15 20 minutes into the film you know they kill thanos and at this time thanos is older of course so you know and he was pretty messed up with because at the time, not only did he snap reality with the, you know, with the Infinity Stones of destroying and decimating half the population of the universe, he also destroyed the Infinity Stones by using them as well. And he said it almost killed him as well. So he's a little hurt and he's older and they, they get there and they basically whoop his ass at his, this foreign planet where he's at by himself. Thor chops off his head, and that's it. And they go five years later, and Thor is still feel he blames himself because he could have saved everyone during Infinity War when he didn't go for the head, uh, in which this film he did. And you know he's become not the the king or the god that we knew of Asgard, and he becomes an alcoholic and whatnot, and. So it's just, you know, seeing him, he's not the the ripped Thor. He's fat and out of shape and doesn't care. So I just, you know, the, the film did a great job of just highlighting all each character's persona. And the same thing with Black Widow. You know, she's she's crying and trying to keep it together. And then with, um, you know, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton as Hawkeye or it's become, takes on the persona of Ronan. You know, his family disappears and he's, you know, he copes with tragedy of hurting other people, of taking out other bad guys, but killing them. So that's how his, you know, he takes on that persona. Same thing with Don Cheeto and War Machine. You know, he's, he's pretty hurt. Um, you know, he doesn't know where to go. Uh, being him, being a, you know, former officer in the U.S. Air Force and you know he's just he's he just feels lost he doesn't he has no drive uh you know so 
Uh, the only, you know, the th- it seems with Captain Marvel, besides the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes of the film, she really was pretty much irrelevant. She wasn't that useful or anything. She had her few moments here and there, but maybe two moments at best, you know, saving Stark and then making her appearance uh, near the end. But that was it. Um, you know, it, it just seemed like her character was pretty lackluster. And the hype going into it was like she's going to be a, a huge part for the Avengers in the end. And she really wasn't. You know what I mean? So, uh, with that being said, um, you know, <coughs> it was the only issues I had with, you know, was the action phenomenal. Like I said, 8.5 out of 10 overall for the movie. I'm gonna be under. I was entertained. I loved it. The writing, though, it was poo cheese. It was probably four or five out of ten. The plot was. The whole premise was just kind of iffy, you know. With Cats in America officially at the end going back in time and staying in time, staying in, in the end to marry his, you know, his lover back in the 40s, and somehow him not being Captain America affected the future. I don't know. So that that writing was weird. Then the writing with the whole rat saving Ant Man out of the quantum realm, that was that was lazy writing. Uh, the writing with Loki when he gets the Power Stone when they go and travel and try to get the Power Stone, and Iron Man and Ant Man mess it up and they don't get the Power Stone, and Loki escapes near the end of the first Avengers technically with the Power Stone. And they just ignored that, like, oh, he got away, so we got to go somewhere else. And that's where, you know, Iron Man and Captain America both agreed to go to the 70s, where Tony Stark said he's aware of where he can get the Power Stone. And it's at one of the old army bases where his father, Howard Stark, worked at. So it's just, I don't know, So it just seemed the writing was all over the place, and it gets messy with the whole time travel and this and that. So there's a few, there's a... And I wouldn't say a few. There was a lot of messy plots in that. But like I said, overall, the, personally, I enjoyed the movie. The writing, however, they're all over the board. Uh, people try to justify it, this and that, especially a lot of hardcore Marvel fans. It's just like, it's like, uh, no, you can you can try. But, you know, there's just there's so many missing points and answers. And it just makes no sense, you know, from the low key to Captain America, to uh, even with Gamora. Technically, Gamora was dead from, you know, the Soul Stone of Infinity War, and now somehow she was able to come back with Thanos because they traveled through another universe back in 20, from five, eight years ago. But technically, she's supposed to be dead during that. I don't know. It's weird. And, And so, I don't know. That whole thing was odd. So the writing was terrible. (laughs) Uh, whether fans want to admit it or not, the writing was trash, complete trash. Action, fucking awesome. I loved it. But man, when it came to that action, whew, it was the whole alternate realities and the timelines and them doing all the references from Back to the Future and this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, eh, they're, they're stretching real hardcore right now. But it is what it is. Um, you know, so it's just. And another thing I felt like, only besides that, I felt like it was kind of centric, you know, near the end of the battle, Captain Marvel makes her big appearance back, and, you know, it goes from Hawkeye keeping the Infinity Gauntlet, and then tossing it to Black Panther, and then Black Panther to Peter Parker, and then Peter Parker giving it to Captain Marvel, and some reason, you know, Captain Marvel literally blew up a ship of Thanos, and wrecked a whole bunch of things, and this and that, how do you go from, like, you know, those three people, to Captain Marvel being the strongest one out of all of them, and she's like, you know, Peter Parker going to him, like, how are you gonna take all of them on, it's like, she literally just took down a, a spaceship, and all six, seven, eight other females are like, oh, don't worry, she's not alone. It's like, that makes no sense. Because she's the strongest person on that screen, basically. Why she gotta, she's literally flying. All she has to do is fly away with the Infinity Gauntlet. Y'all are good. But, so that, that was, it was, it was I don't know. 
<laughs> it felt pandering, I guess. Uh, but that, so that was odd. But um, other than that, um, great flick. Like I said, definitely must go see. It's uh, probably when it's all said and done. It's going to be close to that $3 billion movie, whether, you know, including digital, Blu-ray, DVD sales. It's at two and a half bill right now. <coughs> Excuse me. It broke, it broke, <coughs> it broke sales in China for over $600 million. The original film <coughs> that held the record for highest grossing film in China, believe it or not, it was Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious which was like at 300 mil or something or something like that give or take so yeah that was definitely um that's that was an eyebrow raise that surprised me too but um other than that let's see another thing that didn't really make sense is that when they finally got the Infinity gauntlet and they put it on Hulk, uh professor hawk you know he snaps his finger <laughs> trying to get people back why did they arrive so late i don't i didn't get that part because he did the snap of the affinity gauntlet you know to get bring everyone back it's just like why did they bring everyone back to that particular place how did they know to get back to that particular place you know what i mean Thanos brought his army because originally he was fighting tony stark and steve rogers and and thor outside uh, avengers uh headquarters and all, and he's fighting them, and all of a sudden he brings his army, and then everyone starts to arrive right after his army arrived. It's just like it, I don't know, it made no sense. The, the timing was way off. That was odd. But um, either way, um, oh, just the little things like that. Sometimes <coughs> it was just odd. So, but. Um, other than that, I, th- I thought they did a pretty good premise of the whole coping with the post-traumatic stress of losing loved ones from each from each individual character. So that was it was good. They did a good job there. Uh, the actions, the sequences, the time traveling—it <coughs> was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I can't stop coughing for some reason. I was fine all day today until now. But um, um, now it's just, it's it's iffy. Because are they, you know, they're, how, is, these, is these time traveling? Like, how does that affect everything? You know, Captain America went back to his era. So it's not, not going to affect anything? How is that going to affect anything? Did he end up fighting crime when he went back to it and stayed in his era? So it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, <coughs> but I don't. I don't know. So, like I said, the action phenomenal, ten out of ten. Uh, but when it comes to the um, writing, four or five out of ten. Poochie, straight trash, garbage. Throw out the script; they could have done better. <coughs> but, but either way, you know. It was uh the near the end phenomenal action. They get everyone back: Black Panther, Spider Man, Gamora, uh, Wasp, um, Scarlet Witch. She was dope. She she wanted all the smoke with Thanos because you know Thanos took Vision at the end of Infinity War. So she was whooping Thanos' ass actually until he called his uh basically I wanted emergency plan he said it rain rain fire even though his consultant was like that's even on her own guys but he said fuck it so <laughs> um but that's what he did um other than that that was i loved the scarlet witch and the thanos fight um <clears throat> he, that was you know we didn't see much of all the people that we lost, though. You know, besides that, the, the last 30 minutes, that was it. You know what I mean? So, and I guess I kind of wish we saw more screen time once we got people back that turned into Ash from Black Panther to Spider-Man to, um, God, who else? <coughs> Falcon uh, to Winter Soldier. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, that was part of the plot. The whole the whole storyline was to get people back. So, 
we knew we weren't going to see him until the final, God knows how I, how long it was, but the last 45, 30 minutes. So, but nonetheless, um, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, scope it out. You will not be disappointed. Uh, definitely top 10 superhero movies of all time. Um, despite the, the poor writing, no doubt, but... I uh, did not like the writing, but action, you will be, you'll be entertained either way. So, uh, some of the jokes, uh, they were okay. They weren't, Marvel movies have had, they've had better jokes in the past. These felt kind of forced for the most part, but, uh, but yeah, man, uh, Avengers Endgame, uh, phenomenal flick, loved it. Probably easily will be voted top five movies of 2019. But uh, with that being said, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a little break, and you are listening to Injured Reserve podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So now that Endgame uh, has concluded, you know, Marvel has officially stated that Phase 3 is basically coming towards an end. Spider-Man Far From Home trailer uh, came out, a second trailer. And so basically, you know, they're revealing it's more of a premise that's going to set up Peter Parker and Spider-Man from the way things are looking Having Nick Fury in there, you know, and having Mysterio in there, and now also not only that, setting him up for to be a, uh, you know, a future main protagonist for the next Avengers phase, but as well as combining all these multiverses ever since Fox got purchased by Disney, you know, so now they got the Fantastic Four to work with, along with X-Men, this and that, Deadpool... Uh, characters left and right now so they got whole new material of characters to work with more plots to to develop you know you get the the whole nine yards basically with that being said now watching breaking this down with the spider-man far from home trailer it's very i'm very curious there's a few theories here and there about how they're gonna bring about you know the fantastic four and x-men and venom so this and that so i'm hoping somehow some way shape or form that they'll be able to bring venom and they'll do that crossover between him and spider-man uh of course you know venom uh personally i enjoyed it not a lot of people did i i enjoyed venom i thought it was dope i thought tom hardy did great you know with his character and playing as eddie brock and uh getting the symbiote becoming venom becoming that that alter ego i thought it was great you know and them doing the introduction near the end introducing carnage as woody harrelson i like that as well always been a fan of woody harrelson for years so with that being said you know they're they're introducing this whole multiverse theory thing and whatnot people are saying ever since this how can I say this? This is where things get tricky. The whole end game with the snap near the end, they say somehow, some way, shape, or form, I guess, supposedly, certain characters that they brought back, um, you know, didn't exactly go as planned. So it's, it's very eccentric, and it's going to be very interesting how the writers go about this, considering the fact that the writing was very you know, is very poorly for Endgame. So it's just how they're going to get themselves out of this grave of introducing new characters and having this premise and that plot and how so-and-so makes a comeback. For, uh, you know, so they're still in development for a Black Widow prequel. So technically, can they bring her back? Not, not because it was a prequel, but technically since Gamora was still alive near the end even though she lost her life in infinity war for the soul stone she was somehow back from another dimension but technically 
it wasn't the different dimension it was the same dimension and it's just you know it's like inception with multiple universes and it's just it's very odd uh gamora's still alive even though she died in infinity war and they said permanently that she's dead because of the soul stone so that's going to be confusing in how she's still alive and the same thing could be you know the same kind of logic can be said for black widow so technically she's not dead and the same thing it's like technically you know gamora and his her sister end up killing her her past self so technically shouldn't she be dead in that same universe so it's just so that's why you know that that's why I'm so heavily critic of the writing up for this end game, you know, so it's just a lot of confusion. It makes zero sense whatsoever. So, but with the Spider-Man far from home trailer, they're going to introduce all these multiverses, this and that. So it's going to be interesting how this develops and how it goes about once it, you know, officially releases. So it's a massive breaking point. It's a massive, uh, you know, huge premise for marvel to introduce all these multiverses of several characters such as miles morales venom uh perhaps maybe robert downey jr makes another appearance as tony stark but from another universe who knows so that's going to be the interesting question there but either way i mean marvel the marvel has a lot of work to do uh they got a lot of explaining to do uh so and plus who's gonna be the next major character then they're or the excuse me the next major character that's going to play the antagonist that's guessed up for another avengers a lot of people have theories such as galactus you know he's basically a guy that you know feeds off other planets i guess in a sense radiation but it's not technically radiation it's just it's affiliated with that kind of counterpart when it comes to chemicals i guess so it's it's odd so it's it's really weird how he, he how he operates but galactus is like basically another god in a sense of such as like thanos but he's literally like so big like he has to fly in like the universe he's not like a planner or anything so it's that's going to be interesting as well um so another quite another theory is that ever since they brought back everyone from the snap of endgame uh it's who did they bring back as the main antagonist that were possibly involving against Thanos? Did they bring back someone that was already enemies with Thanos and perhaps Earth? So, you know, again, that's another thing that Marvel has to elaborate on. But, um, hopefully we get some answers perhaps in Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. This is nearing the, nearing the end of quote-unquote Phase 3 from Marvel. Introducing the multiverse along with introducing as hey peter parker spider-man tom holland this is our go-to guy following phase four we're going to introduce young justice and all these other characters for a newer avengers for a younger and so we'll see it's going to be interesting how they're going to you know develop this for the next god knows how many more years uh they, they've been doing this for the past 11 years so i don't see why they can't stop now so with that being said, it's gonna be um it's it's gonna be intriguing. But no doubt, you know, they're gonna put in the work. Tom Holland plays a great Peter Parker, great Spider-Man. That's gonna be his infamous role forever. Uh, uh, no doubt. But um <clears throat> switch things up. Game of Thrones, one more episode left of the series, right? Um, I think a lot of people, um, how can I say this? I haven't seen a lot of hate lately for Game of Thrones, and I don't get I don't get why. Cause you know, it's I, I can see perhaps the hate because it's such a short season and they're stuffing everything all together in like each episode, so everything is kind of rushed. It's, it's kind of hurried in a sense, and I get that, I do. But I've enjoyed this is I I enjoyed the season more than I did season seven. That's just me. I loved it. Um, you know, and it just, I think in a sense, it, it, Game of Thrones is basically, I think it's going to represent like when you play Game of Thrones, it's, I can't remember what exactly, um, Cersei said in season one, but when you play the Game of Thrones, it's like a winner dies situ scenario. So I don't know how they're going to go about this near the end. I think Bronn 
is sitting at the th- at the throne at the end. But that's just a theory. He does have the raven's eye, so it's like I can't exactly tell you what that entails. It's kind of like seeing it's like a all-seeing eye kind of thing. So now that Daenerys lost her damn mind um in this previous episode, it's like, you know, how you know, the the series concludes on this final episode, so it's just like how how I don't know. I, I enjoyed the last episode. Um, I, I forgot that Dan, Daenerys was a Targaryen in which her father was infamous for that role. As when a Targaryen is power hungry and has a thirst for vengeance and bloodlust. That they just go on a rampage. Uh, no logic. Emotions are high. Simple as that. All they see is red. Simple as that. That was her father. Uh, we never saw him, but that was just, you know, her backstory. So with that being said, she basically in a sense became her father. She became her worst fear. And so she eventually, you know, they took, they took back their kingdom. Um, Cersei surrendered. Uh, Lannister, Cersei Lannister surrendered. They rung the bells, you know, when they ring the bells, that signifies that, hey, it's over, you got the city, you won, that's it. She snaps and goes on a rampage with her dragon and burn, literally burns the city to the ground. <laughs> so, while all this is happening, um, you know, you see the, the POVs of other characters, Jon Snow... Um, the Hound against the Mountain, Arya Stark. I thought it was really cool on how they gave their perception of each character in that particular scenario of when what was going on in that city, but more specifically between the Hound and the Mountain and Arya Stark. Um, I like how I was very satisfied between not only the fight between the Hound and the Mountain. But the relationship and character development between the Hound and Arya Stark. You know, for these past eight seasons, seven seasons, he couldn't stand uh, the Starks at all. But he learned to, he never, even though he never truly said it, he actually generally cared and loved for Arya Stark and the rest of the Starks, basically. Um... He knew at the end of the day, you know, he was just, uh, once he, once he left the Lannisters and stopped serving them, he stood up for the ones that were weak, basically, in a sense, even though he kind of, as much as he thinks as cold-blooded and cold-hearted as he may be, that wasn't him, and he knew that, he just never went out and came about it and knew how to express it, so I thought it was very, uh, how can I say it? The symbolism near the end of his death and finally taking out his brother as in um, the mountain. He knew like his his hate and rage over his brother was more powerful than beyond his fear for fire. In which I thought was pretty glorious him taking out his brother while they falling off uh, you know the building and into pit of fire like that his his vengeance was bigger than his fear of fire so i thought they did his character very well i I was he was my favorite character if anything so they did him well then they didn't do him dirty and i was happy i was satisfied with those results near the end you know they they show the the perspective of Arya stark you know running while Daenerys Targaryen is going on her killing rampage. The city's on fire. She's burning anyone and everyone uh, from the Lannister's army to just innocent citizens. And it's just, uh, it's unclear what she is saying or doing. Well, you know what she's doing, but her facial expressions. You know what I mean? Um, So... You just see the POV of Arya Stark going from the middle of the city, escaping from the castle, trying to get out. 
and basically just trying to escape hell itself from that particular moment. And to see her, you know, having, you know, she goes from that point of the hound stopping her and saying thank you that she wanted vengeance and the hound was able to stop her and say, look, vengeance, it's not a good thing. It will get you nowhere in where I'm going. I ain't going to make it out alive. So, so with that being said, she finally decides that she wants to escape. She wants to live. She, you know, hauling ass out the city and, you know, basically having PTSD like crazy, seeing these people on fire, people dying, these kids dying younger than her. So it's, it's, it is phenomenally, uh, well done. Um, it was just, it's crazy near the end. So one more episode to conclude the series, looking forward to it. Got to wait till Monday. So six days to go. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting how they're going to go about this now. I, I'm not sure because they've done every episode an hour and a half. So I wonder if this this final episode is, you know, since it's the concluding episode, it's going to be a special of like two hours. Basically, you know, every episode is pretty much a movie. So, um, I don't know. And seeing uh, Peter Lannister, you know, doing his, uh, not Peter Lannister, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, Peter, uh, Dinklage, uh, the guy that plays, uh, God, I can't think of his name right now, uh, the, 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 the shorter guy, uh, I'm gonna get a name. looking up his name right now this is bothering me because he's one of my favorite characters in the show as well uh, usually when you google something like this their names pop up right away oh man and of course his name's not up here hmm Tyrion Lannister that's the name golly Sorry about that, but Peter Dinklage that plays Tyrion Lannister, seeing his perception and trying to convince his queen and Daenerys Targaryen, he knows that, you know, she's kind of slowly turning, not to, not so much a bad person, but seeing that, you know, she's experienced so much in the series of loss that the people that she's loved and cared for have either betrayed her or died. So her that circle of trust slowly shrinking and Tyrion kinda, you know him telling Jon Snow or or him aware of who Jon Snow was and Jon Snow confronting Daenerys about who he truly is and that he should be in the on the throne. It slowly, you know, it messes with her, you know. So, it's just, um, this is the, this past episode was the breaking point for her, and she doesn't know how to go about it, and obviously it showed, you know, her going on a killing spree, so, it's just, I don't know, because John telling Sansa Stark Interior and all the other people about his true identity and how he wasn't a bastard and how he is how he's the king of the north, you know, or damn near king of everything, basically. Um, it's um, for her, it's just it's it seems like her character development from like I'm a queen. I want to free all these people. I want to do good in the world too. She slowly becomes like her old man, as an A Targaryen, becomes para hungry, uh, becomes sinister, becomes ruthless, 
and I get that to a certain extent because in a world like Game of Thrones, you got to be ruthless, especially in order to stay alive. But to this extent, it was just way, you know, way over the top and no one expected this. So uh, the series finale of Game of Thrones, no doubt. I'm sure eventually myself will eventually buy the whole series on blu-ray because one i after this i'm canceling my hbo that's the only reason why i have hbo is literally because of this show but with that being said um i'm gonna take a little break and you are listening to engine reserve podcast So the lottery picks have been in for the NBA draft, and New Orleans uh, was able to acquire that somehow, some way. Even though the Knicks were heavily favored to get that, personally, I'm not a fan of the NBA draft lottery. I just feel like you know whoever has it's simple. It should be just like the NFL draft. Um, you know, just a team with the worst record in the league, you get that. You get that lottery pick. I just. I just, I don't know, a lottery pick for the NBA is just overrated. That's just my personal perspective of it. So, it goes New Orleans, Memphis, and then the New York Knicks. So now, where do you go from here? I guess there's speculations that New York, you know, the obvious favorite was Zion out of Duke. So now they're looking up R.J. Barrett, possibly. So, the question is, is that will New Orleans... Not only just draft Zion, I guess the better question is, will Anthony Davis stay now? So now you got him, Anthony Davis, and Jeruel Holiday. So the question, you know, you got your shooter, you got your shooting guard. They don't necessarily have a presence in point guard, <coughs> but you got Jeruel Holiday, and Anthony Davis, and Zion, add that to the mix. So... New Orleans could be, they could be lethal and could be dangerous next year if Anthony Davis foregoes, you know, the idea of entering free agency. Now, the, 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 the effect of Zion, you know, has been on rampant for all this past year. From the time uh, making huge YouTube clips back in his high school days to entering Duke to making an impact there to you know with the shoe deals and now it all comes down to this can his impact and his influence possibly influence another nba superstar personally i don't think it's going to happen i think anthony davis decides he, he made up his mind midway through the season you know what i mean um so i think he's done done he wants to go somewhere else he wants something new and that's fine they, you know he's he he has the right to do that so Basically, will New Orleans be battling, you know, from the ground up again with another big man like they had with Anthony Davis? So, you look at that, and I don't know. It's it's you know it's gonna be. I think Anthony Davis. I know he. I think he's still keen on possibly going to L.A., but who knows where his mindset is right now? He hasn't made a comment or decision right now. Uh, whether he'll stay in New Orleans, but I don't think he's staying. Nonetheless, I think he wants a new chapter of his life, and that's perfectly fine by him. He's still young; he's 27, 28, give or take. He's still, you know, not really had a lot of major ish injuries in his career. He's had he's battled a few, but for his prime, he can still go for probably, you know, he's got a good motor for another four or five years. So he starts to tank out a little bit. Um, being a big man in the NBA, big big guys really don't last that long. They don't have that longevity like a Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant. Uh, if you're a power forward or a center, it's it's uh, rare that you keep that same type of energy and consistency to be able to put up 20, 10, and five or so. You you know you might see it with a Tim Duncan. Uh, he kind of withered away. Same thing with Dirk Nowinski. Uh, 
But big guys, you know, constantly in the battle, downloads. It's like the almost like the epitome of a career of all offensive linemen. You know, they're not gonna last as long as like a Tom Brady. So, with that being said, I think Anthony Davis he doesn't stay in New Orleans, nonetheless. As much as New Orleans fans have some high hopes, I don't think it's gonna happen. As for Memphis, who knows who who they're going for? I'm not too sure. The Knicks, I feel bad for the Knicks fans because I was actually kind of pulling for y'all. Considering the fact that, you know, you've been down in the dumps. You got one of the worst owners in NBA history. And so hopefully you get a Zion. And then free agency, you can pick up Durant or Kyrie. Worst case scenario, I think New York, they do get Durant. And they if they don't get Kyrie, I think they get a Kemba. So, um... Yeah, I feel bad for the New York Knicks, man. I do. I mean, yeah, that insurmountable of odds, or that many odds, I should say, um, heavily favored to get the number one pick. And that's, like I said, that's why I don't like the NBA draft lottery. It should go to the team with the worst record. So technically speaking, I I don't know if the record, I think it was New York and then it was Cleveland. So it was a tight race on the worst record last year. But nonetheless, teams like that were definitely tanking. Same with Chicago. So, but with the Knicks, man, um, RJ Barrett's still not a bad substitute. Um, with RJ Barrett, you're going to get more of a longevity out of him compared to Zion, I think. Um, with the weight, the looks of him, uh, he's more of kind of a Kembe Walker esque kind of like, perhaps just a little bit better. In a sense, he's not so much on the Kyrie level or the talent level as a Zion, but still solid pickup. So that's room to work with, and it's still you can make a, some solid bargains in the offseason when, like I said, I think they're going to pick up Durant and whoever else in the free agent market. But either way, you know, Knicks fans still have some hopes, even though they did they did get dogged out in that first round pick. That's uh, That's... That's a bitter pill to swallow, no doubt. But who knows? Um, still got a, still got a couple days until that draft. <coughs> uh, but uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, now I mean the playoffs. We're in the we're in the conference finals. Uh, Portland, Golden State, you know, and then uh, Toronto, and uh, God, I constantly forget, uh, Toronto and Milwaukee. Now, here's the thing, is that Toronto's on a mission. Uh, The phenomenal game seven between, you know, them and the Philadelphia 76ers, Kawhi Leonard hitting that unbelievable, unforgettable shot, that's going to be a photo that's got to go down in years where he's just crouching near the sideline. I mean, it, the question is, is like, you know, is he going to stay in Toronto now? Like, he's made his mark. He's making, you know, he's he's now in the conference finals. He's proven that he can be the guy. So I don't think the idea of him going to L.A., I think he, that's going to be the thing. You know what I mean? Maybe the Clippers, but not the Lakers. Because the Lakers, I don't think... He's not a guy that's to want to deal with drama. That's why, you know, he he stayed away from San Antonio. They didn't respect uh, his wishes, saying that he was constantly hurt, even though the team doctor said so. So, I like I said, I don't think... I've stated before, I don't think he was hurt, but... If you're going to handle a scenario like that from a professional standpoint, from a player to a coach to management to the staff, keep that on the down low and talk to him. Try to appease to him, trying to make him happy. His mental health is very is more important than his gameplay at the end of the day. you got to worry about your players. You can't just treat them like cattle and stock and money market. So, And I think that's, in a sense, he kind of felt like that at the end. And he kind of felt betrayed when, you know, players and even Coach Popovich would speak out freely about it. So that's what, you know, let him go into Toronto. 
So, in the trade. So, Toronto now got Milwaukee, Portland, and Golden State. As much as I want to believe in Portland, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Durant's out for this, for the, the first game. They lost last night, actually. Uh, Curry went off, hitting like seven, nine threes. And Durant, I believe, is out. He's slated to be out game two. I want, as much as I love Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, that duo is phenomenal. Man, that's, that's a steep hill to climb against Golden State. But I just don't see it happening. I think, I think Golden State, personally... Because they operate just as dangerous when Durant's not playing for them. So that's the thing. Uh, Lillard and McComb, they do have that drive. They do have that killer will. But I say in six, Golden State takes it, no doubt. And then between Milwaukee and Toronto, I'm, you know, as much as I like Giannis, uh, Toronto just seems to operate more smoother compared to Milwaukee. Giannis, the big man, he can do it all damn near. But compared to a guy like Kawhi Leonard, that's hard to shut down. You know what I mean? So a two-way player like that, and, I mean, he's just, I don't know. He's a centric kind of guy, and there's nothing wrong with that because he's very private. So, I mean, kudos to him and Toronto. I hope Toronto wins it all, personally. So I think Toronto takes it. I think that series is a little closer. I think that goes seven games. And then Toronto and Golden State, and then... Man, I think, I I don't know why, but I had that feeling for Toronto against Golden State. That'll go seven games uh, if everyone stays healthy. So I, I got, all honesty, that I would say Golden State in seven, though, unfortunately. So, but with that being said, I appreciate everyone listening. Again, I apologize. I've been two weeks long overdue. Been busy with school and work and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, yeah. Uh, finally coming to a close with NBA season and whatnot. Conference finals. Game of Thrones concluding. Avengers Endgame. Amazing. You heard my input on that. So, if anyone uh, anyone else has an input or opinion, please feel free to message me. I have no issue there. Uh, follow my Facebook page at Injured Reserve. So, Uh, With that being said, I appreciate everyone tuning in today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.